Hello everybody, welcome to Sonic Talk episode 726, recording today on Wednesday the 31st of August, yeah, end of summer it feels like, although it's nice and hot in the UK, I never thought I'd be saying I like it, but yeah it is, so I'm here at home again, uh, we're doing it in the cloud, got my nice new light so the sunlight doesn't change, <laughs> we're not going to have me descending into darkness every time there's a cloud going over the sky, and uh, yes, I want to say big thanks to Dom and uh, Wagyu for kind of wrangling the uh, the chat system and the stuff. We've now got lots more uh, excellent uh, functionality there, which I'm sure we'll introduce you to later. But this is a Sonic Talk. This is a uh, music technology podcast. We talk about all things to do with music technology, which I admit in the summer, sometimes we end up in a kind of slightly silly season. There's a lot, not an awful lot of news, but we've got some great guests with us this week to be able to uh, navigate through the lack of <laughs> the lack of releases. But there's actually <laughs> there's quite... There's, through the nothing, yes. People who are quite happy to fill dead air with their fabulous <laughs> anecdotes and stories and, and whatnot. No, I, I and there they laugh at that, but they don't. That they will actually have to be doing that this week. No, there is plenty of stuff, and I want to say thank you very much. Also, want to say thank you to our friends in the IRC, the YouTubes, and the Discord. Look at that! Lots of stuff coming in there. Yeah, the chat is flying Man. through. Pumping. And uh, I will be able to bring a few. Uh, we've got a few comments in. Who we've got? Yes, uh, Heinbach and Jamie Liddell. Yes, in fact, there we do. So let's maybe introduce mm. uh, two lesser, oh, yeah. well, less frequent, but equally welcome guests. So uh, Jamie, <laughs> Jamie Liddell, there in Nashville. Uh, in your your shelves are filling. Jamie Liddell, of course, producer, are they? songwriter, oh. sample manger, podcaster, all of those things. How are you? Thank you. I'm well. You know. Um, yeah, I'm approaching, I tell you what, I'm approaching episode 100 of Hanging Out with Audio Ooh. Files, nice. which is crazy. Five years of, of doing the pod. So I don't know. You'd expect more stuff on the shelves, really, after all that. But um, I don't know what kind of pod paraphernalia could be filling the, the shelves. But, you know, maybe mugs. I need to, maybe I should make a celebratory mug. I don't know. What, what celebrates 100 the best? What's the What's the ultimate celebration of 100 i suppose um you know i did contemplate just stopping the show on episode 100 <laughs> but that, i can tell you now that's not going to happen <laughs> yeah I've made this a bit mug anyway yeah no. Than... <laughs> yeah no it's it's, it's it's good i've got my my favorite living producer is on the show and i've actually got Ooh. contributions from Heinbach and andrew wang and possibly dave ctech and rjd2 and several others for Another juicy product I won't talk about that will be nice. revealed soon. Well, I'm glad to see in the background there you've got uh, some healthy, uh, um, well, uh, there looks like a couple of Nagras, and is that an SP1200? Yeah. Sitting on top of a Chamberlain. Yes. Which nice. is quite, yes. Oh, that that is quite a, ah, oh, that's been a yeah, real that. journey. That's a rack of power, that is. It's a strange rack. Yeah, it's a strange rack. I'm borrowing a second Nagra, uh, which has been great because I'm doing this ADT stuff. You know, I've got a very speed on one and not on the other. So you can send the same signal to both tape machines, but very speed, just one of them against the other one. And that is it's a joy. Even though they sound different, the two machines are quite in different conditions. So you don't get like real proper phase cancellation, but you get something approximating it. And uh, so I've been like, it's a lot of faff to get it to really work, but it's been great. 
Nice. Stuff Glad like to that. hear it. Well, I know you've done on. some fantastic stuff. You've got some fantastic things going with CV, uh, as well as do lots of samples and stuff. So, But do check out Hanging Out with Audio Files. It's a great podcast and well, well worth mentioning and viewing Thanks, and Nick. subscribing to in your wherever you are. Uh, we also have <laughs> Heinbach. Uh, how are you? And uh, as, as it is your second visit, does it uh, does it does it warrant a good to be back or good to? Have, you know, I suppose it's good to it's good to have you back, I'm back. But I can say it to you. How are you? It's true. The first time you wouldn't uh, say it, would you? No, yeah, you no wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. So, but it's good to be back because yes, I'm. I'm. It's yeah. You have me back, so you get to say it. <laughs> I yeah, can't. that's oh. excellent. Yeah. How are you? But I'm How feeling right at home. I'm feeling right at home. The word Nagra has been uttered like five or six times already. So this is my kind of place. <laughs> Excellent. And what no, have you been up to? I know you've, uh, you, well, mm. I mean, one of the topics is uh, us talking to you as well uh, um, about one of the, the videos you've done, but you've got uh, music, you've got sample stuff. Are you doing any more, got any more plugins on the go? What's what's going on in your world? Actually, yeah, I have. I have. I've got two. And uh, the second one, the, the, the one that's next is just today I got like the beta that goes out to the beta testers. And that's going to be oh. something very special with audio thing. And I got another uh, thing I'm working on on iOS. And, uh, but that's still, I'm, I can't talk about that yet. But those are two Ooh. things I'm really, really looking Take forward to. In the trade, we call that a tease, don't we? I believe so. Yes, yeah, well teased there, teased. sir. Well teased. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and we also have uh, Dom Hawkin, aka Mr. Wiggly, uh, who is probably feeling a little less. Uh, uh, um, well, you, I'm not sure if you've got any plugins to tell us about, but uh, I, I hope you don't no, feel kind of plugin been, envy there because you are also a, a developer I, yourself. <laughs> Bring it, bringing up the rear amongst these two legends, absolutely, as always. Um, can I just say, 200,000 subs 200, subscribers oh, yes. to Sonic State. Congratulations. And, and thanks, obviously, to everyone oh, in the man. chat and who's subscribed. Yeah, but, yeah you smashed 200,000. Congrats. Amazing. Incredible. Yeah, Amazing. just over the weekend. Just over the weekend, it just happened. Yeah, I'm very pleased. Well, it's, you know, great... All, all down to guests, the team, everybody, you know. But yes, thank you very much, Don. That's very much appreciated. No, no worries. No worries. And it's also four years since I first came on the show, almost. Is it which really? is crazy. I was thinking of as the new, the new boy, right? You know, like four years ago. Obviously, you only Lovely. had about 20,000 subscribers back then, so I've, I've pushed it yeah. as hard well, as I can. Well, I, I mean, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, we can only appreciate <laughs> the fact that, you know, that, that signing fee was well worth it because it took it us was. in the stress. We're live. We're live. <laughs> 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 anyway, lovely no, to have to, every... Not much to report, so, so yeah, no, sorry, no. sorry to interrupt. Not much to report. Do carry That's on. Right. Move on. Nothing to see That's here. That's all right. Well, lovely to have everybody, and uh, we have got some topics. I just wanted to say before we go, though, actually, uh, that we've got this new Patreon thing that's been going on. Uh, one of the... With, um, um, we've been... Yeah, we did the yeah, Malevolent yeah. PWM uh, review, yeah, kind of, and know, uh, this is some extra video that we've got, uh, We have, uh, which will go out to you Patreoners, uh, so do check that out if you're interested in joining us. Uh, you head over to patreon.com sonic state we're going to be doing a lot more of that stuff and uh, there's going to be more content coming up we're introducing a new tier and whatnot and if you get in uh, if you get in now on the upper tier you might actually see your name in lights at the end of the show if that's the sort of thing that uh, floats your boat um it'll it'll come up the, we get here supporters get a name check at the end of the show which is always nice i think people enjoy that anyway um so thank you and uh, no, we've also got messages from our sponsors uh, to come in as well so you know, all everything's good and wonderful. 
So what have... Oh, yeah, actually, I almost forgot. Uh, Percons, uh, the Ericsson Percons is in for review with Matt Hodson's doing it. And again, there's another... There's a, a post on... Uh, I think if I do... Will I do that? No, I don't know if there's actually a... Uh, yeah, Percons, there you go. There's the link that goes in and you'll be able to click on that and ask any questions and he might be able to get them in the review as well, which will go uh, out to more Patreoners and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so let's get on to some topics. Uh, first topic... Now, we're going straight in with kind of silly season stuff, I guess, really, because, I mean, it, and this is, I think this is actually quite fascinating, whether or not you, you dig it or not, but uh, here we go. Oh, there should be noise. It doesn't seem to be. There we go. This is, uh, now, what's his name? FN Mika, who's a... AI-generated uh, rap artist with AI-generated music. It's actually, conceptually, they've gone the full hog. So a lot of the backing tracks, the lyrics, and the chord progressions, as they are, uh, also generate. But And they got... Uh, this this TikTok account got like 10 million followers. They got signed... Now, who's it? Signed by Capital... Uh, um, and then dropped because there was a lot of it, it, there was a, this sort of notion of cultural appropriation, and it was a real misfire, I think. You know, and I, and I agree that they they that at least they kind of ditched it because of that reason. But what's really fascinating to me about this is this path, this route from AI and, and computer generated stuff through to assigning, through to pop music, whatever it may be, uh, is. It seems really outrageous when you think of it as a as a, as a proper artist, as I know Jamie and uh, and and everybody is here. But actually, it seems yeah, like yeah. It, it's going it's going to it's going to happen because I mean, you look back, you know, it's the monkeys were a construct. You know, loads of stuff has been constructed. It's just they didn't have the robots or the AI to do it. And I just find I find this whole thing is starting to get very interesting. Uh, it was originally uh, by a guy called Anthony Martini and Brandon Lee who used AI. Con to construct a lot of the music, chords, lyrics, and so whatnot. It seems driven by a what will sell philosophy, I think, not, which is not so many, like I said, not, not that different from many pop acts, you know, the monkeys, anyone. Uh, according to the Instagram, uh, Mika is a robot rapper not accepted by this world. Uh, this description has admittedly taken on more of a literal meaning since he was dropped on August the 23rd. Um, but yeah, there's a really good uh, there's a really good uh, URL uh, post. Uh, if I actually post this, I'll, I'll post it to the chat now. Uh, there's a really good uh, link uh, where they they talk about it a little bit more. Days Digital article, so do check that out. Okay, um, and uh, well, when I sent these topics out, uh, Heimbach, you were kind of interested by this. I mean, this is fascinating. I think you know, as followers of technology, it's it's not unreasonable that we would have more than a passing interest in this kind of thing, right? Yeah, I mean, the whole field is fascinating. And this was especially fascinating because it was like an effort in marketing, mostly. I feel like the yeah. whole idea of the AI part in that, that's very like, what actually is AI about it? They say they use some AI in the creation of the tracks. But then again, you've got a real human singing, basically, and you've got basically a puppet show and a racist puppet show at that. <laughs> because, yeah, the, the whole thing yeah. went on is going re really minstrel. So that whole thing felt so marketing driven first and AI became like the buzzword around, around this was built and where we see mm -hmm. AI right now being in, used in arts way more is for example Dolly and the other ones that are there oh, these yeah. AIs that allow you to to uh, make record covers for example by putting in a prompt and a friend of mine Carlo of Audio Thing just said hey I made four covers for you just using this AI and I would never use them as covers, but there was one second was like, oh, this is interesting. And there's stuff happening that's uh, 
from a copyright standpoint, completely problematic because these are trained on real artworks by artists and then just, okay, just uh, their copyright is basically ignored. But there's stuff happening that is kind of interesting, especially in the whole idea of assisted composition, for example. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think, yeah, this is, is totally marketing. You're, you're absolutely right on that. But I, I mean, it just feels like we're only a breath away from something like this sticking and, that, and it not being very poorly considered mm. and whatnot. It actually sort of being, you know, a, a kind of perhaps a more shiny, squeaky pop, harmless type thing. Whereas this, the cultural appropriation of this was, was what made it like not work at all. But the concept behind it, the, the, you know, just this route to success, it, it feels like we're not very far away from this actually happening in the world. I know, mm. Jamie, this is probably not making you terribly happy. And we've talked about AI stuff with you before, but the assistive side of it is actually mm. quite interesting. Where I like to think of it, you think about sort of the the equivalent of the Microsoft paperclip uh, in the studio, <laughs> but only not so annoying. <laughs> That's incredible! I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I mean, uh, oh, that is super exciting. I mean, just to have yeah a resource that say has studied like a lot of incredible composers and has essentially in its database a vast array, a staggering array of notes, essentially, that it could at any point draw on to, yeah, respond to melodic idea you have, for example, to say, computer, make a counterpoint in the style, in a pseudo-baroque style, you know, and, and that is fun. Mm. You know, that is crazy, and you know it's going to happen, and it's going to be... You know, our kids will see it and, and it will just become commonplace. And that is quite a peculiar idea. But I mean, it does seem that with a lot of, of these things, concept is key. And it's sort of like um, almost a lot of the artwork that I'm seeing as well. It's like so concept driven. And I, I am a little bit torn on that because I think, okay, I kind of found a lot of concept driven artwork to be quite annoying and like a con, there's always that con aspect to it. So also, I suppose the humans have to fight back with something so undeniably human that the AI just can't touch us. And I suppose that will just push us more and more towards, you know, performance and and being in a space and being in a live show. I mean, it's ultimately, mm, yeah. what have you got left? So long as it's recorded, it could be fake. But if you're actually there in person... You know, it might not aside be. from the holograms and all Probably. that nonsense. Yeah, <laughs> we kind of have to kind of almost go back to community and communion. It's almost like we're back to the campfire because the rest of it will just be AI potentially or at least That's, some kind of fake. It's interesting, isn't it? I, I don't know, Dom. I mean, you know, the pop music is, you know, not, so, not generally, you know, often not considered to be sort of of massive uh, intellectual kind of uh, weight and content. It's supposed to be pop. I mean, you know, but it's still... It, it, it I can th be I mean, formulaic I, a, and it's light. Yeah, it can be, for, yes, it can be formulaic. But but this, I, it just feels like we're so close to this this being a thing, I think. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, I just yeah, wanted to rewind a bit. I mean, they, they, if they'd used AI to generate the caricature, they'd have probably sadly ended up with something similar. I mean, if you give it, you give it to the designer, and he just fails so dismally and produces the biggest horrendous racist, thing. I mean, terrible, terrible. Anyway, I mean, this is not an unknown thing. Gorillas did it incredibly brilliant with some crazily mm -hmm, brilliant backstories yeah. for all their characters. You know, that's the difference between the 
the designer there that's you know a very clever chap and whoever they got to, to design this thing but i just wanted to rewind it simply to look at ai itself i mean fundamentally it's just lists you know it's um it's the, it's really good at binary decisions. So, for example, on my phone, I've got thousands of photos, and then uh, things appeared to say, "Show me all the pictures of cats." And if I type "cats" into the search, and AI has mm. determined which of my pictures are cats, which is really clever. And they've done that by showing a whole load of pictures, pushing them into the AI, and saying, "This one's got a cat. This one hasn't. This one's got a cat. This one hasn't." And they haven't even really had to do that, to be honest, because every time you go in and do a capture, and it says how many motorcycles or click the bridges you're actually training the ai to recognize stuff in images only two or three of those ones they know the answer to a couple of them in there they don't and so they store it or most people think this is a cat or whatever um and it's really really good and it shows the cats and that's all and it's not that hard how it makes that decision can be quite technical there are some very very well used libraries um that everyone jumps on google has a whole platform that you can rent uh, that's pre-trained but the training is the key right mm. so it's garbage in garbage mm. out if you feed it a load of garbage it is going to produce garbage and if you try and say okay uh, here is every song on spotify uh, now make me a song. It's going to be awful. It, it really is. You know, you have to have an A&R, you have to have a filter in there. <coughs> Plus the fact there's no <laughs> way they switched this thing on and, and out came the first thing and they put it out. Clearly someone's sitting there going, well, that bit's all right and we'll put this bit in and whatever. I mean, it, it, it is exactly, as, as Heimbach said, it's a complete marketing mm. exercise. I mean, congratulations to them. And in some ways, ha, 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 you got it so wrong because it's, you know, it, it's, it's just embarrassingly badly put together. But, you know, it, even mm. if you said then here's all the David Bowie songs, now write me a David Bowie song. There's not enough material there for it to get a good angle on what is a good David Bowie song. So you are basically, in musical terms, if it's not a binary thing, if it's a subjective, you know, I like this kind of thing, now make me more of that stuff I like, what you're basically building is a massive cliche machine. You're saying, you know, here's the charts for the last 50 years, now make me a chart hit. You'll get loads of stuff, and there's a massive novelty factor, and the Dali stuff is amazing in terms of generating stuff. And the really clever thing there is that they can take a text input, like, show me pre-Renaissance yeah. France driving a car, and it will come up with something that makes you go, mm, it looks a bit like pre-Renaissance France driving a car, how interesting, you know. But it does end up as this massive cliche, really. I mean, lyrics might be slightly easier to come up with, but again, you know, you're, you're, you're telling the machine what's good and immediately that happens. It begins to either fall apart or there's just not enough information to actually feed into that machine to go, okay, now you can discern between what's good uh, and what's mm -hmm. bad. So it's a brilliant thing when used for binary stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's absolutely right. superb. Yeah, it, 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 it's it come not up binary. With things. No, exactly. I mean, I did a lot of this in sports betting, believe it or not. I was writing algorithms to choose which team was going to win for bookmakers at one stage based on form guides and stuff. And it, this is a classic example. You can't say because Man United's won the last 30 matches, it's going to win the next one. Mm -hmm. um, but you can feed in as much data as you can on a minute-by-minute -minute basis and it will churn out stuff that you wouldn't have thought about. So, for example, if a team is 1-0 down at half-time, actually, it turns out that team stand a better chance of coming back than not because if a team's down, they tend to fight back harder and play better in the second half. You know, All these kind of things have been pulled out by algorithms that kind of make sense but you'd never think of. And you can apply these in really good ways. You can apply them to getting people quickly into concerts through the right gates, to kind of putting stuff on tube stations, to channel people you know, as fast as possible around when it's basically just a really number-crunching thing. But not 
what makes a good song. I mean, it's it's mm. no better than the Brian Eno's inspiration cards. You know, you'll get something out of it. And the happy accidents are probably brilliant. And if you can get a good song that I like to listen to and I turn up in the car, I don't really care how it came about, as long as you credit the right people and everything's cool. But you're going to have to kind of drag your way through so much garbage to find the jewels that you're making it yourself, really. It's a bit like getting a sample pack. So I've droned on a little bit there, but that's... No, I think that, me, that's, that's where really, is good, really you know? valuable. Po- yeah, no, really, yeah. yeah. And, and well articulated. Thank you very much. I mean, that makes it, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, uh, but yeah, I think, I, I still think, you know, one day, or not uh, not far away, this was, this was, you know, it had almost all of the ingredients to make it good, apart from it being good, perhaps. That was, the, and, and a good, uh, and a good execution. But it's... <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that always the way, eh? Isn't it often points the way? Points for even? effort, um, kind of, yeah. Point, points for effort, yeah, I suppose. Sort of points kind for of, effort. Yeah. Sort of points for effort. <laughs> okay, well, I'm, I'm going to quickly flip in uh, uh, points for effort here. Here's a, here's a message from our friends over at uh, Baby Audio. Uh, this is actually the new, uh, they've got a new plugin out, which is iHeart New York 2, which is a punchy parallel compressor, VST, AU, AX, engineered for sort of modern, aggressive sound. Uh, 44% off intro sale, and you can get 15% off, I think, when checking out with the code ST15. But Baby Audio makes creative effect plugins are designed to add colour and depth to your mixes. And this is a, an example of just that. Um, and from what I've heard, it sounds... Sounds actually pretty cool with the this sort of parallel compressor where you really crunch one side or one half of it and you blend it back in with the original dry signal. You get some really a unique sound, which is I guess the you the the New York part of it. So I heart New York too from uh, Baby Audio. Do check that out. Um, okay, right. Uh, what have we got next? Well, I, I mean, I suppose really, I mean, let's let's go to um to your synth uh uh, uh because the one of the things that you posted this week was just an absolutely fantastic piece of uh ah oh, well just a piece of stuff from uh, now i'm not going to try and pronounce the uh music uh, what's it called the museo del synth marciano is that close, close enough marciano okay. close yeah. okay mm-hmm. let's play that okay. anyway let's see this is this this is the syncette which you describe as a unicorn of a synth. And it is uh, 1962, but made by Paolo Kitoff. Uh, three tones, three keyboards. Apparently Ennio any Morricone was uh, enamoured and used it on some soundtrack work, but we don't know exactly what, but you are very fortunate enough I, to I'm, uh, I'm get not. your hands That's on one. This is going to be a bit Absolutely. meta, so there you are again. Here you are. <laughs> so tell us about the synth. Yeah, You've got to play to with myself. one. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely. Um, so there were only nine of these or maybe only eight produced because uh, Paolo mm-hmm. Ketov, uh, he made these basically like a luthier makes um, something. So for the musician that orders one, a very special thing. And the one that I played belonged first uh, to Bill Smith, who was a saxophonist. Oh, I hope I'm not wrong. Saxophonist or clarinetist? Uh, <laughs> if Ricardo is watching, you can correct me in the chat. So, wind um, player. And that, yeah, and that, oh, perfect, wind player, saved me there. And the that, that Sunka that, for example, is the only one with an input stage. So you can process the instrument through, for example, the fantastic filter bank and these VCA modulators that are what uh, Paolo Ketov used instead of an ADSR. And the sound of this whole synthesizer is 
so fantastic. I got so lost in it when I played with it because the Museo del Sinto Marchigiano, they have got the only one that is known to be in working condition. Wow. And working condition is hard to, to, to know with this synthesizer because Paolo Ketov guarded uh, the circuits and everything very jealously. And he never handed out like a manual to the people that bought it. And there's uh, lots of like letters that are the preserved of back and forth between customers and him where he's like grudgingly giving like small parts of the circuit diagram to <laughs> to the customer yeah. so here's a part you can fix and the museo has collected as much information as possible and the great thing about it is in 1963 63 there's a portable synthesizer with a three mini keyboard that you can play and the keyboard has an aftertouch and sidewards motion wow. and nice that's kind of mind-blowing the only thing that's not really portable is like the power supply and that's super super big and that's something that the previous owner uh linda pointer uh she played that all through the 70s and she took the the syncet uh, to uh the darmstadt kurse for musik showed it to stockhausen and to ligeti and um yeah she toured around with it and in the story that she wrote about what she did with that, uh, her son chimed in that he said, I remember how heavy the power supply was to lug around because she mm. was having her kids help <laughs> carry it around. <laughs> and that's a true piece of history that some I didn't know about the Syncet basically until last no, year. I, I had I've no never, idea that it existed. Yeah. Well, you made an album, and you 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 you're trailing an album. You made an album as well, just using you. Not, is it using it exclusively, or using it kind of it's in part to? Only the Syncet. I made an album completely with the Syncet. I went two days in and just recorded uh, song after uh, track after track after track. And when I got home, I realized, okay, this is good enough for an album and wow. I didn't want to put it on, on a label this time so I just made a Bandcamp vinyl campaign so it's basically like a pre-order and that went well so now you can get it on vinyl if you want to and it's just ah it's such a love letter to the instrument I tried to keep the original recordings as raw as possible and preserve the pure tone of it so if if you like synthesizers this is a good record to just enjoy for the nerdiness of it Oh, that sounds great. I know, uh, um, Jamie. I know you're probably. This is the sort of thing that you know. It, it's the isn't it, it's the is the uh, the synth fanatic equivalent of finding a kind of like a a barn find concourse vintage car somewhere. You know where you just sort of find it, and, and you know because they're so 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 rare to find something so rare, and that's just yeah, it's like El Dorado, isn't it? Yeah, and it kind of reminded me. I tried to come up with quite a lengthy post for Vineback's YouTube. I've never actually done such a long post. I sort of, it, it got me really down a rabbit hole, actually, just thinking about it. First of all, when I heard the tone, it took me back to early Raymond Scott recordings, uh, which is always my favorite, most evocative synth sound. And I think it was because he repurposed tube oscillators, military ones, and sort of made his since predominantly from that kind of technology in a way, related at least. And then I saw the whole thing and thought, first of all, every synth needs to have this filter bank, or at least it's an incredible thing that people don't do anymore. 
because and I thought, well, what it's doing in, in effect, and it was great. This luthier kind of comparison is apt because I thought, really, what you're doing at the end of the stage is shaping the body of the instrument by restricting frequencies by hyping other ones. You're essentially pushing a guitar towards a mandolin. You're you're pushing an oboe towards a saxophone. You know, you're you're taking the pipe sizes or the body sizes and manipulating them with filters. And I was like, that filter bank alone is just a staggering thing that I just don't see enough of. And I think uh, the Polymook has a kind of resonator, which is so incredible. It's why I love the sound of that synth. And uh, I just thought, well, there's that. And there's also this idea of a fixed panel layout, which allows proper control with the size being important. <laughs> like in, in And with this convenience of Eurorack and the idea of of being able to build things, you just simply cannot have the the the, the consideration that goes into an, a finished instrument like that. Clearly, like that's why the Mini Moog is such a classic. Just the layout and the ergonomics and the sheer size of it. If you do make it smaller, you lose it. You lose that connection. We are humans with hands of a certain size. You know, these controls allow fine motor control. They respect us as mm. apes. You know, they respect when we're confronted with a, an instrument of this size, it respects our body, our physiology. And the, and I don't know, it's, I got super deep into it, just thinking like we could make a front panel that is as satisfying to play as the Synket and essentially have jacks coming out the back side of it so you don't see any cables. And then you could possibly lead those down into other equipment. So you'd essentially have like a front panel control. Uh, but then I was thinking, yeah, but then you don't have all of the inherent component connections and all of the other things that mm. make this instrument a complete piece. Ramble off. I think... Yeah, no, I, th I think, uh, I mean, I think because there are, I mean, Bukla famously do uh, filter banks, Moog do filter banks, I mean, they're, and they're fixed filter banks, and they definitely, I mean, the, mm. I remember uh, Alessandro Cortini showing us some of the filter banks on his uh, vintage system and just oh, yeah. putting noise through it and just kind That's of true. picking, and it just sounded like uh, the entire soundtrack of Eraserhead, you know, just with one white noise feeding. It was amazing. I know, Dom, I, I mean, mm. you know, this sort of thing, finding these kind of synths, I'll just put you there next to the uh, uh, um, the, the, the Museo del Synth Marchigiano, just so that people can see it there. But uh, beautiful. I, I, I think I'm going to have to go there with just, you know. Isn't it? Yeah, it's just, just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, it just strikes me as being so far ahead of its time um, in the control of the whole thing. And... and I, I didn't have a chance to go deep into it, but I, I, I got the impression, I was just wondering, it felt like the person who designed it was more technical than musical, perhaps. And because he was there and he, was, he's, 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 he thought, I need something to make soundtracks for film. Yeah. I'm not necessarily making a musical instrument. I'm making uh, what we might call a drone machine, more of a drone machine today. Um, so I need three sound sources and I need it to have a kind of sequency thing in there. I'm going to run it and it's going to move. And, and uh, I have a controller here with this kind of MPE system years and years before even MIDI came out, you know, with this sideways thing. Um, and everything in there is just what we've asked for today, really, in the synth of today. And I just wondered whether that was potentially because he was more coming from a technical aspect than he was coming from a, a, a preconceived... I play a piano kind of thing. I don't know Heinbach if 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 you can fill me in there or if you know of the history. 
so he was working closely with with musicians uh, a lot of times. So he did one synthesizer before that is the Phonosynth, which is now at Deutsches Museum. And that was, I think he did that in collaboration with a composer from Italy. Again, the name uh, escapes me right now. I have to I would have to go through my notes, but mm, they worked way. on this instrument. So I was always working very closely with composers and musicians. Oh. And yeah, he was very much technical minded. And two things that are about this are that are a bit sad to me is that he like he didn't design another synthesizer except for mm. the Syncit 7276, of which only one prototype exists, but he didn't finish <laughs> that. Instead, he worked more in like create in studio, creating studio environments. Mm. Mm, so that's something right. in for Italian film. That was his thing that he did, and um, so there wasn't anything really after the Syncit. And oh, Bob Moog tried shame. to get him over to work with him. And there's uh, letters that are exchanged between the two. Yeah, come over. Let's let's do something. Mm. But yeah, how can this work? How much can you pay me and stuff? So it's very like it didn't work out in the end. But I think they did uh. work on a keyboard together. I think they worked on a keyboard together in the end, like an expressive keyboard. But uh, yeah it's just coming so, from such a left field kind of kind of point isn't there that it just feels like yes it should be made this way but we've kind of constricted in the way that we design stuff from now you know um, it is it is like an electronic music studio of the 50s so that's where the whole mindset that's where the filter uh, bank comes from everything gotcha. like that's why i'm so in love with it because i mean alex ball called it the most heinbach synth ever <laughs> like when he played it <laughs> <laughs> because it is like a test equipment studio like measurement equipment studio shrunk and right. i look around here and i've got like for example i got a similar filter bank to the circuit one here from ems reberg which has like 10 centimeters of travel on the faders so you can play it similar to the circuit it's not as satisfying as the circuit because the movement goes like a little bit round and you know how haptics go such a long way in, cre in creating music yeah, 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 that's yeah. do you oh, so do, you, do i'm just curious do you think that do you think that the control law effectively what you're talking about of those controls was designed in or just a happy accident because that was the sort of those were the kind of components that were around the place because i'd imagine that sort of thing may I, I imagine maybe the the knowledge or the ability to change the responsiveness of controls you know in the 60s was perhaps less available or less known about oh that i don't know because i've got no idea about the parts situation at the time but what mm. i know is like the whole thing is yeah, so it's basically uh, a specialized one-off for one person. So I don't think uh, he took off-the-shelf parts too much. And when you look at like old mixing boards, you know, they had also these controllers that went like more like this, you know, that had a little curvature to them, like the old EMT boards. So the faders. So like you would go like a bit like a this curve, you know, when yes. you up the levels. So it's, yeah, so like, <laughs> so, and that's something that appeared to be common in the in the way that uh, Regler, we call it in Germany, like or faders are designed like at the time. So, and so probably it's also like, a way to make I, it more I compact. It's that, it, it's that curve, isn't it? So you end up with a, uh, is it exponential curve rather than a, uh, a linear uh, or, or a, a lot. I mean, more like in the way that it just moves. I mean, like just the, the movement. Yeah. So it's a bit like rounded. So and that gives you like a longer travel than if it was mm -hmm. like just a slight yeah. because you can travel that ah. way. So you can make it smaller and portable. I think that was yeah. also a consideration because ah, like gotcha. with the to yes, get the yeah. same level of control on the AMS Rehberg, it has to be like this big and a 10 centimeter mm. like uh, slider. Can you completely yeah, kill the sound with the filter bank? Can you take the sound to zero? 
Yes. I mean, that is incredible, right? I mean, I just love that you can actually completely kill it. I mean, that's just a wild idea. I mean, can you do that with the EMS one that you have as well? Yeah, true, I think. So there will always be a little mm. bit bleed because I think that's 40 decibels. So there, at some point, like yeah. if you punch in enough, there will always be bleed. But you can kill the yeah. sound. Yeah, it's just like a little hiss oh. in the background. I mean, Matthew really was saying um, he was sorry. He was using filters like that. He didn't use VCAs and volume controls. He just opens filters because it's a much nicer way of, of adjusting the volume of something by just turning the filter right the way down to the bottom as well. Mm. So, I mean, complete yeah, aside, but yeah, absolutely, it's much nicer on the ears, I think, than just dropping the volume. What a lovely! Is it yours, Heinbach, now, or is it? Bothering? No, <laughs> no, it goes to the, belongs to the museum. Oh. Belongs to the museum, so it's not mine. No, no, no. Hmm. <laughs> what a thing. Well, you, you, you did well to, to get a whole album out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, looking forward it's to hearing that as well. Yeah. So we will definitely, yeah, I'll, I'll check that out for sure. Uh, should probably just to have a, a, a message from our friends over at Isotope as well. Uh, thanks to their uh, continued support as always. Well, Isotope Producers Club is a one-of-a-kind membership for producers ready to take their tracks to the next level. Once you join, you'll gain access to powerhouse Isotope plugins and a curated selection of tools from our partners, such as Melodyne from Celimony. Plus, as long as you're a member, you'll get every future update to the Isotope plugins in your membership for no extra cost. We'll also regularly serve you new curated content like exclusive inspiration-sparking sample packs and preset packs and industry-leading training ranging from our own tutorials to vocal production lessons from the world-renowned Berkeley Online, taught by Grammy-winning producer and engineer, Prince Charles Alexander. With new content being added every month full of valuable production techniques, tips and tricks, and solutions to common production problems, becoming a member is an investment in your career that grows as you and your career do. For more information on Isotope Producers Club, head to isotope.com. And don't forget, if you head over to uh, Sonic, uh, isotope.com forward slash Sonic Talk, uh, there's a, a, a dedicated page where you can use the code Sonic10 to claim 10% off your Isotope plugin purchase or a Try Music Production Suite Pro for 30 days free. Uh, we thank them very much for their continued support. Very much appreciated. Um, and now I'm going to jump back a topic because I know everybody was quite fascinated by this one as well, which is, again, it's sort of in the... This is, this is I guess, maybe not AI, machine learning and whatnot so uh, i guess if we go here and then we can <laughs> there is a better demo of that but essentially what's happening there is there's a phone uh, which uh, the lady is singing there uh, and these little chantlings, which is what it's called, are responding but and harmonising with her. There was a better demo which sort of showed the functionality, but it was using an Elvis song, and I thought if I played that, we'd just be busted for copyright. So I just thought there's absolutely no point. iOS only, two ninety nine. It's uh, they've got this off uh, Create Digital Music piece, uh, which is well worth checking out. Uh, Chantling is uh, it's a collaboration between developer IRM and digital audio engineer Svetana, Sventana, aka Svent Stadler, aka Heart of Noise, um, and it. It, it seems to me this this it, it's taking me back to remember when 
when the iPhone first came out and there were a couple of things. It was like there was a B-Bot, I think, and a couple of things, uh, Jordan mm. Rudess, there were two or three applications that made it absolutely explode and they were the driving force, the musical sort of wondrousness of it were the driving force and this strikes me as one of those apps that could elevate iPhone take up even more and I, I don't know who's had a chance to play it. I, I saw that uh, Dom you were you were kind of fascinated by it. Have you come have. across this before? Because it, it's love it. No, 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 no I love the idea. It's uh, it works on um on an M1 Mac and in uh, in iPad. Oh, I'll get it. I'll get that mode. So so yeah, it, it, that's a really neat thing as well. Um, it's just brilliant. The froze in the chat just said it. It sounds like Dominic. I thought that's a bit weird. Actually, what he wrote is it sounds demonic. <laughs> so, oh. so, <laughs> um, so that's kind of glad to, glad to put that one straight. But no, what a wonderful, what a wonderful little thing. And then you get this callback if you just hold the phone in front of you, much as it looks like that lady is doing. It doesn't come in real time. It only works in real time if you've got headphones on. Otherwise, you kind of sing into it, and it'll come back in the same way. But it's. Um, even without the little cute things on screen that sing and you've got four of them and you can select, you know, treble, alto, bass, tenor and all that, mm -hmm. it still makes a, a neat enough kind of, I don't know, like some kind of weird really Furby style it. noise that um, is just really cute and and has a lot of uh, uh, practical usages for live stuff, I think. I mean, it's very, very basic. There's an on and off switch. You don't have any control over the harmonies, but it's built in with an algorithm that allows you to generate almost like kind of monks chanting in that kind of plagal way uh but yeah brilliant i i i, I don't have my phone with me now because lula may my daughter's taken it well, to, to do this thing so it's a massive hit already so yeah it's a hit well i know time. jamie jamie I has i mean you're a singer you, go, you know you're a singer a looper True. singer you know so you were used to singing into machines so this, we can, well, I, what it, i found right? was quite good i thought what how does it deal with vowels oh oh it's talking. That's quite good, isn't it? But if you kind of go... Yeah. It does those. It's quite cool. <laughs> I mean, it's wow. great. Amazing. I mean, it that feels like it has a go. It really has a go at everything you throw at it, which is just... You know, you have to talk about points for effort. Those little guys are working hard. And what I find a nice little aesthetic detail is like when you're doing it, at least in the sort of non-real-time mode, if you start to make a sound, the forest animals kind of wake from their slumber and kind of look at you attentively like, he's making a sound. The, the, the person that's making a sound, listen. Okay, forest folks, sing. And then they like earnestly <laughs> sing their little <laughs> And it's just cute. <laughs> It's just cute. I mean, it's pretty captivating. I mean, you know, talk about a difference from the Sinket. You've got this kind of, yeah, it's ultimately, it's kind of, it's a toy. And yeah, it's like back in the 50s, we made these incredible machines. Well, just imagine what the future will be like in 2022. What are they going to do? On your well, phone. You're singing into a thing now. It's kind of a bunch of forest friends come back and sing in harmony with you. Is that cool? I mean, ultimately, yeah. it's quite cool. Well, it cool. kind of is. It is quite cool, yeah. I know, Heimbach, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I imagine, like like you, like me, I have this just, it's just a sort of fascination with the technology that enables this. I mean, it really is a beautiful piece of work. And, you know, something I think, you know, I, could, I just told my daughter about it. I said, you need to get this app because I bet <laughs> she can sing and she'll, she'll have so much fun with it. 
Yeah, I really enjoy it. And one thing, so there's one feature that is, of course, absolutely killer in these social media driven times is that you've got screen recording. So you can record yourself while you're singing. So you get like a little video of you here and then the creatures and then you can upload that to TikTok. And uh, that's a very smart feature of them to make, yeah, to basically make this also performative because that's one of the biggest difficulties for many of these apps is how can I actually like show this on uh, on a yeah on social media with this this works because if you start filming a screen like this you only see like dirty fingerprints that's no go but with the built-in recording very nice and I tried immediately because one thing this reminded me of because it keeps trying to tune you and mm -hmm. I'm not a, as as a fantastic singer as Jamie is I just like mm -hmm. ah, ooh, eh, and I keep like switching so that tries to tune <laughs> me and goes to the correct tone and that's something like that this thing did right. in 1989 so that's a wow digigram midi mic and yeah that's also meant you can sing it to it and then it will yeah generate a midi note and uh it's fantastic because it's really just big plastic thing with a nine volt battery but it also does the thing where like if you're not perfectly in tune it will be completely confused and will spit out like and which can be cool for using abusing it creatively but yeah similar technology in that when you start thinking about how it tries to track the tone it doesn't work with short tones for example if you just go bah, 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 it, needs it more doesn't cycles, have enough yeah. to yeah it needs more cycles to find uh, the vowel and the pitch and then it will it's for elegish Ill Ill elegic stuff it really works well but yeah it's gave me a lot of nice. ideas for does it have a, does it output anything else does it add any, any expression or velocity or anything or is it just just velocity note? is in there so uh, oh, this oh, one oh, you okay. mean this mic Oh, the, the yeah, mic the mic is the, the mic is just note on note off <laughs> it's uh, very uh, simple very very simple and right. pitch so that's all you get from the mic but uh, yeah from the app this really inspired me like to think about other ways in which you can make the environment sing and I'm yeah mm. the Voclia I, I tried that Voclia you know they had the doubler doubler and doubler two now and uh, and initially you needed a a USB kind of custom microphone that they made that did all of the pitch to MIDI conversion. And what's nice about that one is you can turn it into a hundred, you can turn it into, I think like an octave up and down in the bend range. And then you really can just kind of go and it actually spits out this really quite accurate wavy MIDI line. And, you, and I was sending that to a, an old, well, the new reissue mini Moog just via MIDI and it would really do these fluid lines. You can really do like, you know, you can do these like crazy arcing lines and it doesn't, it kind of actually really tracks them, but it tracks them so well that you're kind of, then, you, and then you're forced to think, how do I correct <laughs> this MIDI? Do you know what I mean? Because then you just sort of, it just sort of makes me think MIDI was always a bit crap at doing that. You know, it, and then, yeah. but then well, I think I back to the trying to do stuff with the MS20. Then, yeah, yeah, then, yeah. yeah, then you get that, don't you? So, but yeah, mm. exactly. Then, and then trying to do, yeah. I was just trying to do this recently, actually, going back to pitch tracking and it kind of feels like the MS20 was still the best I've ever heard. But 
it's a bit sad because it was never that good. <laughs> so it's kind of almost like <laughs> people kind of gave up on it because they're like, oh, it's a bit naff, you know. But I mean, it, it's cool. I mean, this this little app, it feels like the technology is going to be software driven. It's going to be so good soon enough. Actually, mm. did have a, a little thing about this AI thing. You know, you're talking about AI. Yeah. I came across on the Tone Benders podcast. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that one. It's about kind of like sound design for films and stuff. It's like, it's super well done. It's like really techy. But um, they interviewed the, the team that did the get back audio restoration job for that Beatles movie. And right. that was incredible. That was insane. That was like some of the most like shocking results before and after I've ever heard. It was a bit much like the RX music rebalance where it all essentially split stems out from a single audio file which is tremendous and but and but they had their own custom one and this guy trained it on john paul and ringo whatever he trained it on hours of just them speaking so that he could pull their individual voices out and it was um, ridiculous it was absolutely mind-boggling like what he could get out it was like premium quality it didn't even have like watery artifacts or anything it was just truly Fab. bananas that was when i thought oh, okay that that's a truly 2022 bit of audio engineering on par with the synket back in the 50s that's like when i feel yeah, like yeah, oh, okay yeah. now we're showing like what we can do because i mean yeah that's a great use for bananas it, great use. incredible anyway, i wonder if i wonder if there's uh, any any audio aspects to uh, the chantlings where you can get either sort of control data or pipe the audio out via um via some of the yeah, audio bus or that kind you of can thing. you can grab it with uh, audio hijack on on the mac m1 and spread it out that way but what i would quite like is instead of them we could have john paul george and Ringo in harmony. Yeah, that's <laughs> the same system that they just used. Slightly nasal uh, Liverpudlian uh, harmonies. Yeah. That sounds amazing. like a great idea. Well, look, um, we, 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 as ever, I mean, it's always great to talk to you guys, and we've, we've kind of moved on a bit. Um, but it's now come to the question time. I know I've been asking for questions for blooming ages, and oh, now they're piling yeah. in. So if you're okay for answering a few, let's let's see what we can uh, what we can go with. I need to find a good one first. Uh, so uh, let me see. Uh, Oh, well, I'm going to go for Wagyu because Wagyu's been very helpful uh, and he mods the YouTube. Uh, we'll just, let's throw Wagyu's question in here. And uh, so Wagyu wants to know, Heimbach specifically, uh, what's it like having a snooker legend Steve Davis as one of your biggest fans? Would you like to collaborate <laughs> with him one day on something? And this is, in fact, I mean, Steve That's Davis awesome. is you know, Steve possibly legend. the most famous person we all know, I would think, if it, apart out of the pop world, uh, certainly in the UK. I don't know if you have an answer for that now, hi, Matt. Hi. So I, I had no idea about snooker, really. <laughs> so I didn't uh, know like uh, who he was until he got into modular. And then I started to know him. So that was, oh, that's nice. And I met him in the, at Cafe Otto when I played there in London. Uh, beginning of the year. So really was really lovely and meeting him. And I, but the whole thing about like uh, snooker was is a whole mystery to me. I've never seen or watched it. <laughs> it's strangely captivating. I used to watch it a lot in my teens, and uh, me and uh, me and Jane uh, over one of the bank holidays the, earlier this year, we just found ourselves watching it and it was you know you just think oh, what's this and then suddenly you just become it, it changes the pace of your viewing and your expectations and you just kind of get into this kind of mindset where you can't not watch it after a while it, it's a really weird addictive kind of uh, principle so maybe uh, yeah maybe okay, I'm maybe, maybe that out. and modular has <laughs> something sounds relaxing. i don't know yeah 
when you've got when you've got a kind of 18 hours or so to kill you want to watch a 37 frame okay right uh we've got another one here um this one is let me just uh press that one and uh, this one is from uh mental frisbee via youtube uh, can anyone recommend a good cable labeling solution to stick on the ends of cables in the studio i mean this is quite practical and this is always difficult i mean i will i will concur that it's not easy because and primarily because as soon as you use any tape then after you've left yeah. it behind your rack or somewhere for the last 10 years and the fluff and the glue comes off it's just this hideous mess so i, I don't got know one idea. dom have Oh, okay. No, go, 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 Jamie. Not, not you, can hurt, you can hurt yourself on these, but <laughs> if you just put like cable ties on the end of the... Ah, that was um, mine! Really? <laughs> Labels. You do that. You sort of tie right idea. by the end of the... Right at the end of the jack or whatever. Yeah, you just cable tie it. I mean, ultimately, yeah, it really only colors. ever offers me colour, yeah. But it's, it's great. Ah. But the, it, when you do chop it, it's pretty sharp, yeah. isn't it? You can really... Yeah, yourself a yeah, proper yeah, yeah. Injury no, I think that. it's the only way. I've tried those uh, label machines, and 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 you can wrap them around and they float, but they come off. So in the end, I bought a big multi-pack of multi-coloured small cable mm. ties, mm. and you can get quite a lot of combinations because of the different colours. So at least you know. For me, really, I just want to look at one end and know that the other end over the other side is that end. If you see what I mean, it's not so much. Yeah. Most yeah. stuff is wired into a patch bay, so I've wired and forget forgotten. So you know, here I've got I can't yeah. twist camera, but I've got like a blue one, a green and blue and a red. It's much easier to do that. And they never come Maybe off. Maybe nail oh, varnish. Yeah. Nail varnish would be good. Do you know what I mean? Something like an enamel. Yeah. It might chip off, but... Anyway. Yeah, 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 I right. use nail varnish in if I'm fixing something. If I swap a component out, because sometimes I do fixing of, of Soma stuff and bits and pieces like that. If I've changed something, I'll mark it so that if it ever came back in again, I can see that it was one some one bit that got replaced oh, or nice. whatever. You just mark oh, the components inside. It's a bit like a signature that's okay, it's blown again, you're doing something wrong or whatever. But mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it would stay on. I think it might chip, to be honest, yeah, unless you sprayed off, yeah. it. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, good question. Tricky. What about you, Harmite? Yeah, what really you got? Question. What about you? Yeah, what's, uh, I'm, yeah I'm curious. I, I, I would. I'm just looking at the mess of cables here. My studio is a complete <laughs> mess because I go from BNC to banana to XLR to mini jack to more esoteric connectors. And it's nothing is marked. No, it's horrible. And it's still so I, I, I just rely on memory, which is not the best solution. The only thing that I do with works so far is on the XLRs. They are big enough so you can easily write with a white uh, permanent marker on them. So but then, ah. of course, that's permanent. But that's for the connections that are supposed to stay. But else, there's no system here except for the things that I remember. It's bad. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for your honesty. Much appreciated. Okay, uh, I think we've got time yeah. for a and couple sorry, more. Just, uh, Anthony K in the chat just said, mark a pen on heat shrink tubing before applying the heat. Sounds like it might work. If you've got like white heat shrink... And an oh yeah, that works. I mean, if you're doing it properly it, in the studio, idea. you would heat shrink yeah, across. Yeah. You put a label in, you draw it right mm -hmm. on it, and then you heat shrink across the label. And yeah, that's the, the, the fancy shrink. way of doing it. Yeah. But uh, I tend, but, I would yeah, tend to say, whatever they did in the fifties is probably the way to do it. <laughs> Colour coding, <laughs> possibly. I'm sure they had it all sorted out back in those days. Yeah, they're just probably just have a land to do it. Just manufacture a special end that sort of like, you know, shows you properly what the well, cable does. Well, that's a good does. one. 
Uh, yeah, um, I was going to. That's a good uh, idea. Colour rubber Taylor, bands. Coloured hair bands. That's a good old colour. I like that band. too. Like if there were small track. rubber bands, it could be good. Also, the good thing about that is, if you're like reaching behind equipment, if you give it almost like a braille, you could kind of know yeah. what the cable was Dots. just from feel. Yes. Just go, go. Why not go mm. for feel? How can we ignore touch That's so an much? That's an it. Yeah. <laughs> Ripple printer. the cables. We're so we're That's so visually centric. Whenever anyone that's maybe into, smell. not into making music comes in here, and they might be into computers or something, but not audio, it's like, why the hell are there all these leads? Why, why can't you just plug one in? What's going on? Why isn't there, you know, this is 2022. What were all these cables? You know, and they kind, of, kind of got a point, true. actually. It's like, they do. Know. My wife was saying the same thing. She was like, I could never do your job. I hate cables. I said, I don't like cables either. <laughs> you know, it's I don't think you'd love cables. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it was it was quite strong. I think it's appropriate. But, uh, but yeah, it's sort of, uh, hey, you know, necessary evil, I suppose. Properly labelled. Okay, we've got, we've, got, uh, let, let, we've got time for another one here. I'm just running this one in. Uh, I'm trying to get it in there. Is that the right? Uh, uh, no, that's not the one I wanted to send. Where's it gone? Um, I think I must have pressed the wrong button. Damn. Um, uh, well, uh, the, uh, I, I went past and then I was basically saying uh, it was uh, uh, due to it came via Wagyu and it was uh, somebody who'd been into the Roland store and asking how a certain thing was done and nobody could figure it out. And so that led to the question, well, what's the most complicated and difficult to use synth you've come across? And I thought that's kind of interesting. I mean, obviously, it's easy just to sort of say DX7, but it's not always that. That's not always the case, is it? Yeah. That, 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 in fact, actually, I had a photo. I, I went round to uh, Goldfrapp's place uh, the other day because I'm going to do some work for them on uh, some recording. And they've got one of these things, which, if I can find it, I'll, I'll hold it up to the camera. They've got one of these guys, which uh -oh. is the, uh, you know, can't the, quite see uh, that, man. Oh, is that Burkhan? No. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the oh. uh, DX7 programmer. Oh, Massive yeah. blue oh, yeah. MIDI controller. I saw that once. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. The Brian it Eno is one. so cool. I think so. Yeah, I think so. But, yeah. uh, I mean, let's just rewind that. So, Heimbach, what's the most difficult to use synth you've come across? I'm not talking about, you know, willfully kind of like a criticism of, you know, the terrible design, but it's just actually hard to get your head around, perhaps, and just kind of like, I don't really understand how this works. That's the one that's in uh, Studio B in my cellar for one and a half years, and I'm still like learning and working <laughs> with it. It's uh, the Bontempi Mars, which is a complete DSP workstation that Bontempi did in the oh, 90s yeah, with great input from people from IRCAM. And that was something that was basically pulled from the wreckage of the Bontempi factory. And uh, the guys from the museum assembled it and like gave it to me and said, come on, you make something with it. So it's an old PC <laughs> with an audio card, a huge audio card. And the PC is so old that uh, I had to move it to another slot because the plastic inside had decayed. And there's some oh. fantastic sounds in there. Like there's a simulation, for example, of an airplane in there. That's something that they developed for an airplane simulator in the 80s. In, at IRCAM mm -hmm. and then transferred into the um, the Bontempi Mars, and oh, this sounds the sound of the Bontempi Mars is so powerful, experimental, clean, and the cool thing about it that the thing was you could just save your patches and have them on this DSP thing, and then carry all the patches around with you. That was 
revolutionary at the time. But the whole thing then was shut down, the whole Iris lab that they built around it, and they didn't do much with it. Only some of the algorithms ended up in a vocal arranger box, like one of these like mm. sing along and play MIDI tracks to them for like entertainers, and one of the flagship uh, keyboards that Bontempi did. So, but much of it, yeah, it was uh, basically a stop and uh, yeah. Wonderful oh, thing, but Wait. complicated to learn. Complicated to learn. I've got the actual text here. This is via Mancini head. Uh, 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 Manchi, Man, Man, Manchichi head, I think, sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, what's the most complicated synth you've ever used? Uh, how about yourself, then, Jamie? <laughs> I mean, some modular Mine's stuff is be a... pretty, I find... Uh, yeah, obviously, anything that you kind of walk away from for ages, like the ER301 or whatever, that can be... I mean, it's so great, that little box, but, yeah, confusing. I mean, mine's more pedestrian. I suppose it would just be the the Rhodes Chroma. Great machine. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, but they did. They they suffered from the membrane and singles parameter slider option for programming yeah. a 16 oscillator synthesizer, which was maybe not the greatest choice. But, um, <laughs> no. You can you can expand it. You can get a MIDI expander, and like I've done that, and you can control it via MIDI, which does open it up a lot. And similar to I the DX7, someone I bet it made. Must be very very slow. Yeah. It's all right, very you know. Slow. It's all right. Is it? Oh, They've done a good job. CPU. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they, they they pulled out the boards and did a new board or whatever. And, and, but you can get a, like a massive thing that sits above the chroma that's basically the equivalent of that DX7 thing. It's, uh, you know, every parameter on a knob. But um, yeah, nice, yeah, I was thinking, yeah, Thanks. something something along those lines. Or maybe programming an eventide using VSIG would probably be a bit of a pain. I've never tried. That's some square pusher oh. territory. Programming your Thanks. own, you know... Uh, yeah, yeah, any any, patches. any tracker for me, any any tracker or yeah. uh, a, a, a Mirage, the Mirage which was the operating system, which was a single, it didn't even have a terrible. slider for data. It had just a keypad and it was hex data. That was the most complicated. <laughs> that was tragic. So, I mean, that's that just a nightmare. <laughs> Dom, how about yourself? <laughs> There's a few more modern ones that I have to keep practicing on before I forget. So things like the Octatrack, which I love, I, I forget if I haven't used it and I have to start again from the beginning. But for me, the, mm -hmm. the Sequential Circuit Studio 440, which oh, yes. many people oh, will never piece. have heard of. We, we signed a deal, my band, with Warners, got stuck in the studio with Stephen Hay, got our advance, headed off down Denmark Street, and were persuaded by one of the, the shops down there that this, this Studio 440 would be exactly what we needed. Because it was kind of pre-computer. This was, a, was the, an early groove box, yeah. sampling groove box. Probably kind of Octatrack slash Deluge slash Electribe yeah. kind of thing these it days. Had spun, it had spongy controller um, yeah. stuff on it, didn't it? I remember. It was yeah. really yeah. The that idea sonically. Is, is a great sounding thing. And the idea was we actually had to use it to make you know an album. So we would do all the, the pre-pro demos on this thing because it purported to be Whoa. able to do everything. And it, I don't know whether it was hard to use, but... It would crash a lot as well, and and it's a long time ago. But it was my first introduction to kind of proper, you know, we've got a proper record company and proper music to make with proper people. And this thing just let me down big time. So, just as I would well, be, I tell you to what, I think happened there, out. Dom. Somebody who, somebody, the person who booked, who the person who wanted your studio business, 
said, oh, try this, lads. And then when you well, came yeah. to the studio, you were paying by the hour, and it just wrapped up all of that studio bullying at, at the entire advance. Sliding doors yeah. moment, really, to be honest. We were in Trident. We spent a lot of time there. It wasn't a hit in the end. It could have been that 440. Luckily, we, we pretty much everyone in the band went on to do better things. But, yeah, that was... But you're so frustrated. The TB303 was complicated when it first came out, and I was I was working in shops back then, and we used to literally draw straws as to who was going to demo it because it was such a pain um, <laughs> back then, you know, because no one was really... It's the slides and the bits and pieces. Obviously, it's pretty easy now, but but back then it was like, oh, who wants to... Because no one liked it either. It's like, oh, God, okay, someone's coming. You go and demo it, you know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Sequential Circuit Studio 440 for me, and then everything else yeah. is really okay, but just has to... I just have to my my long term or my my, my locked in memory is obviously getting worse so I kind of have to work at remembering some of the yeah, you need to be doing yeah I, I think anything by electron you need to kind of have it's a lifestyle choice to a degree you have yeah. to use it regularly <laughs> otherwise you you lose it or any any synth which has uh, which which operating system and control kind of value system doesn't follow any norm because then you go to it and yeah. you think oh yeah that'll mean if i spin it fast with this the parameter will go up really fast and it's like no it doesn't it does something completely yeah. unexpected yeah. and it doesn't do any of that stuff i think you know that you could get that okay uh, time for one more question if that's all right uh, this one is from nick Howes, and um, this is have the panel ever got a vst and then decided they needed the hardware version which i think is a kind of uh, quite a cool one I, I i would go there and i'm trying to remember what it was it was the uh Oh, no, actually, while I remember, I'll go to somebody else. I, I imagine this has happened to you quite a lot, <laughs> I'm, seeing as you have collection yeah. of stuff, or you've just, or have you gone the other way around, had the synth and read the, um, you'd rather have the VST version? So the most vivid example of that that I have was Madrona Labs Alto, which is like a Buchler-esque VST, which sounded amazing. And there was this thing called an LPG. And back then I had never heard about what a low-pass gate even is. And I was thinking, I want this in real. Can this exist in real? And I went on to the Mod Wiggler forum because I, that's uh, that's the first thing I found when I looked for modular synthesizers and was like, I want something like this. Where should I go? And they said, yeah, you have to go to Buchler. Oh, and then looked at Buchler. Oh, that's very expensive. And then I looked at Eurek. Oh, that seems cheaper. And Schneider's Laden is 10, uh, 10 minutes by bike from me. Which uh -oh, danger. is dangerous. Danger <laughs> dangerous. <laughs> uh, so I basically tried to build Alto in... Uh, in hardware and that was my first modular synthesizer basically with all weird modules and like the what's called weird and um, Maleko and uh, a bit of Schwemann and a bit of uh, bit of make noise that was my Buchler-esque Eurorack and I got the low pass nice. game was very happy nice I remembered if I just jump in uh, it was the Zills Lab Poly KB uh, and it was uh, this the original version of the Zills Lab Poly KB, the VST that came out, uh, was one of the. It, as I've mentioned before, you get these kind of steps in uh, uh, DSP technology where you just go, oh, it doesn't sound rubbish anymore. It actually sounds quite good. And they had these amazing morphing oscillators, and I just thought that sounds fantastic. I really would like that in hardware. So the Zills Lab Poly KB, I wanted the uh, Polycobol. I guess that's that's what it would have been uh, for oh, me. Wow. Um, anyway, yeah. Jamie, did you get one? Uh, no, did I? Uh, <laughs> I was going to really say, like, <laughs> oh, I'd like to get the ARP 2500. The, the, the VST is amazing. Yeah, no, it, it, it is true. <laughs> I was thinking, like, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, well, I've got a really uh, a boring one, but it's. It, I, I just remember when Rebirth, remember when Rebirth came along? Of course you remember when Rebirth came along. Yeah, it was course. just staggering. It was amazing. Yeah. 
I mean, and then I've, I mean, it did make me want to get an 808 and all of that. It, it made, I mean, I wanted to be able to have that experience for real, but I definitely couldn't afford it at the time. But, um, but that really gave me the hunger for a, an actual 303 more than anything before, just because mm. I thought, oh, you can actually get it. Sounds pretty good. And you, but it sounded shit, obviously, but it, it wasn't that bad. It was, it was yeah. definitely a benchmark, wasn't it, in terms of like that playability and sort of capturing the essence of those machines and how yeah, fun yeah, it is absolutely. to sort of link a couple of Roland boxes. Still one of the greatest experiences in electronic dance music, sort of to hook up a couple of those classic boxes and just, it's like magic. Yeah, absolutely. Dom. Hmm. A uh, couple of things. The Fisher Space Expander, with my dub head on, Fisher Space Expander Reverb. Oh, nice. And there's a few uh, uh, clones of that and lots of spring-type clones. And, and, and I was mm. very, very pleased and happy when I plugged it in to find it didn't sound like any of them. And it just did sound exactly like I wanted it to. So that was great. And again, with my dub hat on, this uh, this is King, a copy of King Tubby's Big Knob. Which is a oh, filter yeah. that he had in 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 his dub desk uh, that he would strap across stuff, and it's literally just a switched filter, passive, no uh, nothing in it, and it just sounds really really good if you want to try and recreate those kind of sounds. It's the so those, yeah, definitely those. B. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I've got one over um, there. I've got the I've got the green you? guy. The Altec, yeah. <sighs> Give me a shout. Yeah, I mean, I, it's true. I got, I got it from Nashville. But obviously, Heinbeck's got far superior bandpass filters than that. Like that. What's it called? Allison. What's it? Allison Labs. Is that the one? Allison Labs. Oh, my God. Let me wow. let me pick that up for you. That's the oh, one. Oh, I've okay. got MV. I've got bandpass Dom, you're, you're, in, you're in not filter heaven. <laughs> yeah, but look, uh, look, it's big. It's a big knob. Oh, that's really oh, cool wow. that they've Check. made a small... Yeah. Check that out. Yeah. Oh, look I at think that. I'm that's a, big, yeah. a yeah, bigger knob. Man, that is cool. That's <laughs> a chunky one. <laughs> that's a that's a fat one you got there. Yeah, <laughs> it got the power, has it got the power got built in or is it, is it an external this power This is passive. Oh, yeah, this is passive. They're all passive and oh my God, like... Ah, this is like stuff like a lot of the yeah. bandpass filters that I have are like German made because they had lots of Wandel and Goldham and Rode and Schwarz, they had a lot of these. But uh, the American ones have the beautiful thing that you can fine adjust the frequency. Ooh, so you switch really? it and then you fine adjust uh, and that's like so Pultex. good. Oh. And, yeah, and then you see this like something like this in the WDR studio uh, with Stockhausen in, the, in a promo shoot and you're like, ah, yes, this is a wonderful thing. Oh my God. So good for like, uh, these are very useful for the original ring modulator patch, for example, that Stockhausen used mm. a lot. Sorry for being super nerdy, but this is what you can use that because you can really dial in the frequency perfectly. Uh, yeah, because uh, I've not seen that configuration of it. That's incredible. I've not seen that configuration before. I've only ever seen that sort of rack mounted version. I've not seen the one with a handle on top. Yeah, there's oh, another yeah. one that's like that's the two A, and I've got the two B also. And the two B is more like a, more like a rack kind of thing, but with also a handle on top. Looks like an old radio, and the frequency's printed, and that's also fantastic. Did that come from America then? Yes, this came from the states. And uh, one thing, the, like the handle, these... kind of implies that you would have a huge rack of them, and you'd be sliding them yeah. out amongst you know a huge line. Oh, that's just you could take them out well, a bit of all this jamming with the that telephone handle, line. <laughs> You lug this up the telephone pole. That's what you also do. So you, if you want to oh, check, like, what's the line, and then you can measure and stuff like that. So that's where these go called portables. Oh, my God. <laughs> and probably one thing, like, what your dub filter could potentially 
derive from something like this because I know that especially the small Boolean Kia bandpass filters, uh, people complained that I raised the price by making a video on them because they used these to make mm -hmm. these dub style filters. They took oh, out the yeah, components and basically used them. Size. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really, oh, I know. Sweet. Oh, that Back was a, in the that days, was a full on nerd. Yeah, full so of me. Thank you so much. Uh, no, no, I mean, that's why you're here. Band pass filters. filters. <laughs> no. I think that's the title of the show, Band Is there filters. a plug-in version of that, though, just to bring it neatly back yeah. in a nice circle? Is there a plug-in version of that, that, that that's around there, Heinbach? Can we do some measuring and uh, make one? There, there's, um, there might be something soon now you got it uh, that was not intended I'll pay you later uh, mm -hmm. you can pay me later. there's one one real quick one for you Jamie if you've got time uh, this, is oh, yeah, coming, go this comes in from Rapscallion uh, you once mentioned a patched editor for the Rossum Assimilator was, what was it called? Oh yeah, it's this thing that's called. Oh man, it's called a sim. It's called a simil eight. So it's uh, a s s i m i l eight. A simil eight. Really annoying, but it's super handy. Yeah, actually turns that module into. Why did Rossum make a software editor for it? It's absolutely beyond me. It's, uh, it would be so easy. Then you can just quickly like lay everything. It's such a complicated and powerful sampler, but it's kind of crippled without a, a software interface, in my opinion. I suppose it kind of goes against the Eurorack philosophy somewhat, yeah, but I think it ought to just be integrated. But yeah, that's not bad. And it will it will spit all the samples correctly and lay them all out. And you can do, even do like key range and, and kind of spits. It's quite advanced. It's decent. It's really basic. It feels like you're in the 90s using some kind of web app, but it works. <laughs> Assimilate. <laughs> I mean, Excellent. assimilate. Oh, nicely done. Thank you very much. I uh, appreciate that. Well, look, guys, I know that we've, we've, we've gone on a little bit longer, but there's just so much more we can talk about this. Thank you to everybody for all your questions in the chats there. We'll save some of those up for next time because uh, once we get to the point where we have, we're getting more than we need, we can maybe do a show which is just answering questions. Uh, mm. uh, you know, so that's the, it's, it, nothing will be wasted. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us. So, uh, Heimbach, what's next for you? You going off to... Uh, um, well, yeah, what's what's happening? Are you play, playing anywhere or are you traveling? Yeah, I'm doing what's, what's happening. I'm touring uh, next week. I'll be in Utrecht and in Den Bosch, Herzog and Bosch, playing Willem Twees and uh, playing Gaudi Amos mm. Festival. And uh, then I've got shows in Munich, Bochum. And in October, I'm working with the Ensemble Modern in Frankfurt doing a show. And I'm also going to Turkey, to Izmir, playing there. And I think I missed wow. a few, but basically a lot of touring right now. A lot of touring right now. Right. So. Excellent. Wow, lovely. I, I guess, where, where would people find out about dates if they were, if you were coming to a, a venue near them? What's the best place to... Instagram to is probably there? the best. That's where I post every everything. And I'm horrible. Like one thing that I'm really bad at is like spreadsheets. So every time there's like a spreadsheet kind of website where you upload your things, then that, I'd never use that. So I just 
Uh, <laughs> my Twitter is good. Twitter well, is where I post and uh, Instagram. I'm uh, and Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Well, this this entire show is run off a spreadsheet, actually, bizarrely. So uh, there you go. <laughs> Which is oh, so I, I I am. Magic. If you need help, I'm quite spreadsheety, uh, and so I can help ah. you out there. Uh, but lovely to have you. Thank you very much. And we've also got uh, Jamie. Thanks very much to you. Uh, so what's your next audio hangout with audio files uh, episode going to be, and uh, what else is going on? Shall I tell you who the guest is going to be? Well, only if you if you didn't want to, you know, if you want to reveal it, you don't have to. I don't want to force you into a into, a, into an no, exclusive. No, I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. No, it is fine. my favourite living producer. I'll say okay. that much. Uh, and amazing. I, let's just say I've been trying to get him on the show for about three, maybe four years. And wow. uh, yeah, it's a major, major event um, and a um, real. Yeah, real exclusive. Exclusive. When's that out? When's that going to be? It's a good question. I've done the interview, um, and you know, it's only it's only a matter of days. I'd say probably about oh, okay. about a week. A week, because <laughs> I'll probably like so, toil uh, on it more than an average episode. So. Yeah, well, that's understandable. So, uh, Plus, I, I love. I'm quite spreadsheety. Oh, good. I've never heard anyone say I'm quite spreadsheety before. But that's, I, I a, that's another potential title for the show, I think, really. <laughs> spreadsheety. I mean, yeah, it's just brilliant. If you can be spreadsheety, then you can be quite good. But, um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm doing that, still finishing off bits of my album. I'm working with, um, with Raven Bush. Uh, Kate Bush is his aunt, uh, and he's a oh. really fantastic string player and I've, I've been having fun just sending him um, multi-track vocals because he likes to work that way and he can kind of replay them on the violin uh, that's been amazing I've, I, I've it's made me want to do more collaborative work just with musicians you know over the pond or what have you i do miss touring though hearing Heinbach talk about all those european venues it was so easy living in berlin i just i mean we probably live close to each other Heinbach. i mean are you, are you in kreuzberg or neukölln I'm in Neukölln, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. I mean, yeah, it was another time I would have bumped into you. But, um, but yeah, have fun on the road. Uh, I'm just staying here, basically, dad time and uh, pod time. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> That's no, good. fair enough. But uh, thank you very much for coming on, Jamie. We're always appreciated. And, of course, Dom, thank you for sterling work. I noticed you stemmed the flow Pleasure. of uh, YouTube posts. And uh, um, Wagger also managed to uh, stop the lonely ladies from yeah, taking we'll get over there. the chat, we'll get there as in they the often end. do. We'll get, <laughs> we'll get there in the end. I got a big up so Jamie's podcast you, as well, actually. It's uh, just yeah. a big up Jamie for a second. It is such a good podcast. And it's I don't know thank if many on. people know about it, actually, to be honest. I don't Hanging know if there's much crossover files. from here to there. Uh, hanging out with audio files. I mean, I, the one that stuck out for me was um, Wendy or Lisa from Wendy and Lisa with the, the Prince's Band who was on it. That was that was Wendy, the first one yeah. I came across. And if you've got a hundred, that's a lot more for you know that I've that I've missed. Wendy, so. what was so lovely about her is, sorry, it's just a nice anecdote. Mm. I went into the studio and I was very nervous. I'm such a big Prince fan. Um, and the first thing she said is like, do you mind if we do the interview sat on the floor? So we just both sat on the floor and just, you know, it's the most surreal moment just sitting on the floor with Wendy and just, you know, that's the kind of thing having a podcast might allow you to do. I would say oh, that the yeah. podcast has allowed me to really be myself because I think people are like, oh, you're just, you're a singer, you do this and that. But like mm. having a pod has like made me just kind of like, it's been quite therapeutic. I've really had to sort of like, yeah 
find out a lot and be happy with myself. Thank you, Dom. It's a, it's a nice feel Ramble to off. it. I think that's the thing. It's great to, uh, to, to listen to. As, of course, okay, is Sonic fun. State with the 200,000 subscribers. Ooh, which, again, if you missed it yeah. at the beginning, Ooh. tell your friends to sub because, honestly, it's basically Nick versus yeah, Heimbach got, for the ultimate yay. leader of YouTubes. We've definitely got to get... We've got a long way to go before we get our next... Is it Team Heimbach or Team Nick? <laughs> oh, um, oh like, you know, no, there's room for everybody. We're all there. Yeah, yeah exactly. But thank exactly. You, thank I'm not you. up to thank much you, anyway, thank, thank you very everybody. much for asking. You're, well, you're, you're welcome. Uh, thank well, Nick, you, are you going to run the whole uh, show through a band pass? Um, I may do a special edition for the Patreon users. Maybe I could send it to you, Heimbach, and you could run it through a band pass. I'll absolutely do that. I'll do that. Binaural band pass and just like... Each guest has okay, their own particular frequency. Binaural head. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, oh, there you go. Wow. Very good. Okay, right. It won't be much wow. work, don't well, worry. We'll, it'll take we'll, five minutes. <laughs> we'll consider that. Well, it'll take, at this rate, it's going to take, well, an hour and 19 minutes uh, at a minimum. That's an epic. Uh, anyway, it's an epic sonic state. Epic. Epic. Well, thank you, everybody. Uh, that's it for this week. Uh, thank you to uh, all our, our mods and uh, uh, Wagyu as well and everybody in the chat and all of the, your questions. Good one, guys. Uh, we, we don't lose them. They all stay in the database. So now I've got them flagged. They will be there for next time. So we may well get round to them. So if you want to um, post any more questions, uh, you can either tweet them to at Sonic State with uh, QQ. That's basically any comment on YouTube, uh, Twitch, uh, Discord or um, uh, Twitter with QQ in it and, and then we'll we'll pick it up or that's the idea anyway so thank you very much that was Sonic Talk episode 726 uh, we'll see you next time take care bye bye now cheers guys bye 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 <laughs>